welcome to the Do It For The Process podcast. I'm your host, Emily Jeffords, artist, mother, educator, and founder of the hashtag Do It For The Process. A mantra born out of a deep need for sustainability, personal connection with my creative work, and a love for the creative process. This podcast is a conversation, and in it, I will treat you like a friend, I will encourage and cheer you on, I will bring to light the truths that will help you grow, and I will transparently share the business strategy I am exploring and currently enjoying most. So come on into my studio, pull up a chair, let's dive in and do some good work together. Hey, hey, we made it to the very first podcast. What an accomplishment. Honestly, this is the biggest accomplishment of all because I started, I did it, I'm on my way. I've put the first the first push out into the world and I'm feeling pretty proud, gotta be honest. Um, this podcast is going to be a bit of a foundational podcast. Why did I come up with the term, do it for the process, the phrase? What is it about? What does it mean to me? What do I hope that it means to you? In this podcast, we're going to be discussing vulnerability and the process. Why Monet is so massively inspiring to me. The danger of creating with the wrong focus, the wrong intent. Um, Practical tips for celebrating your work and doing it for the process. As well as, I hope, a lot of, of soul work and heartfelt conversation and just a lot of goodness. So let's get into it. The first thing I am going to admit from the very top so that you get to know me a little bit better is I am an obsessive creative. I've always been a little bit in love with with creativity, with artwork, with um, being a maker, with being someone who just is fine with devoting hours and hours and hours to a creative task if my heart is behind it and my passion is behind it. I follow my passion religiously. I encourage others to do the same, not because not because it's trendy. You know, follow your passion is something that we all hear. I don't want to tell you that. That is fluff. I want to tell you to follow the thing that you cannot stop thinking about, the thing that you are going to fight for and fight through and struggle with and be fine with getting really nerdy and really technical and doing things that you don't really love doing, but you love doing them because they help you do what you want to do. They help your your idea see the light of day. Yeah, obstacles are always part of the passion pro- passion projects. They're always part of the journey and part of the process. So, you know, following your passion only works if you're okay with facing obstacle and okay with doing that beautiful bumpy bumpy road journey that we are we're in for. And it's great. It's wonderful. Passion turns average ideas into brilliance and dull concepts into something that just might, probably will, change the world. Or at least that's how it feels. And that's the magic of passion. That's the secret weapon. Passion is invincibility. And I love it. I want it for all of you. I want it for all of us. 
So I founded the hashtag do it for the process out of a very vulnerable moment where I was feeling none of this passion. I was feeling nothing but overwhelm, nothing but burnout. I was surrounded by children and crayons and canvases. I'm sitting on the floor of my studio, literally like nearly in the fetal position. Just, I could not imagine doing the amount of work I had signed myself up for. I had so many commissions. I had so many orders to fulfill. I was very overwhelmed. These are all blessings. These are all beautiful, pardon my phone, I'm very popular. (laughs) Not really. Um, These are all beautiful, you know, beautiful things that were in my life. You know, too much work is a great problem, but not when it jeopardizes my creativity, not when it jeopardizes my ability to continue. That's where the hashtag do it with the process was, was first founded. It didn't become a hashtag at that moment, but it became something inside of my heart. I realized that my focus was wrong. My intent was wrong. I was doing it I was creating work for the end result, for the end painting, for the buyer, for the collector, for the gallery, um, for the sale. You know, I was creating work because honestly, I was the sole provider for our family at that time. I had to make money. I absolutely had to. I had to be an adult, had to be a big girl, which is great. I love it. But I hadn't learned how to create wisely and intelligently and with business smarts while creating work that satisfied me deep down. And to do that, I had to follow my passion. I had to create for the sole love of the process. As I was sitting on my studio floor, surrounded by children, and you know how messy kids are. There was, there were papers, they were drawing and coloring and working with crayons and watercolors all around me. They were loving their process. They were so enthralled. They were delighted. They had no judgment. They had no uh, concern for what their buyers were thinking. They had no concern for whether or not the commissioner was going to be happy. They were just creating and finding joy in that and experimenting and espousing zero judgment to their work. They were doing it for the process. And that's when it hit me. Like, I just want to do that. I just want to feel free. So even though I still had a mountain of commissions and a mountain of orders, and I still had to make X number of dollars per month to support our family, my perspective shifted in that moment, my entire focus on my work and on my process and my practice turned inwards and turned towards something more, more satisfying, something that I could sustain because it was completely controlled by me. I could control how I felt, how I was connecting to my work, how I felt about about the actual physical process. And that became so freeing and such a such a gift and a, a bit of life into my, my into my studio practice. I've never gone back. When I feel myself slipping out of that mental state, it's so easy to click back over and say, "Oh my gosh, Emily, come back to the root, come back to the light, come back to why this is what I've chosen to do with my life. And then I can just press onward with that mentality turned back on. So that's all lovely, right? Like that all makes sense. It's very, very basic, nothing complex here. But how do you do that 
when you're an adult and when you do have to bring in an income for your family or for yourself, when you have big dreams and you have really big ambitions and you have really big projects on your plate, how do you focus on the process when the end result does matter, when the finished piece has to say what you want to say and it has to look the way that you want it to look? I understand that completely. And I would counter all of those, those thoughts with if the process is not fulfilling you, nothing else will work. Absolutely all of it will fail. If the process is not fulfilling you, you cannot create work that speaks for itself, that says what you want to say, that says, you know, the vision that you want to speak into the world. If, the, if you're not feeling it in the creation phase, it will fail. If you are not feeling it in the creation phase, you cannot complete those big projects because you're going to be so burned out. Trust me, I know I've tried it. It does not work. <sighs> Stay in the light. Stay, stay grounded in the moment. This is a bit of a mindfulness practice. If you want to use, you know, kind of a really commonly coined term, do it for the process is mindfulness. It is, it is saying, come back to the root, come back to the actual physicality of your hands in the clay or your brush on the canvas, the colors that you're mixing. How does it feel right now? What are you doing right now? How is it working? Evaluate, judge, not in a harshful way, but just in a you know practical, creative way. How do these things work together? And then when it comes time to show your work to the world, you're so satisfied by it already because it has satisfied you while you've created it, that you can show it to the world with gratitude, grateful for the work because it was generous to you. And when you can do that, you can brag about your own creative work. You can show it off to the world because you're thankful for it. That's really, really freeing, especially as someone who really dislikes marketing. I, I get asked about marketing so often, and this is the, the simplest bit of advice I can give you just really quickly before we get really nerdy about marketing, as we will in this podcast in a later episode. But the quickest and simplest way I can tell you to just market your work is to be grateful for it and to share that gratitude because it's powerful. It's so powerful. Now, vulnerability is certainly part of the equation, especially for professional artists, especially as someone who has to put their work out there, make it, you know, open and, and shared with the world. And it's not comfortable to be that vulnerable and that honest. It's like bearing your chest and opening your arms wide and saying, this is me. I, I am this person. I made this. Um, it's like letting them see inside of your brain, which is so intimate. It's letting someone understand your vision and your perspective. And that's something that honestly, most of us, you know, outside of the creative world, most people only do with their closest loved ones and their most intimate friends. So you're doing something very brave. Understand its bravery understand the courage you're going to need to go through with this. Fall in love with the process because when you do that, your courage is rooted in the creative work itself and not in some external factor or external pressure. When you do that, you can begin to detach yourself from your work and you can allow it to live on its own, 
solo and beautiful in the world. And that is so, so freeing. You are not your work. You created your work and your work is from you, but now it's on its own and it's its own beautiful entity. And it's your job to support your work, to champion it, to raise it up, to make it beautiful in the world. It's always going to feel vulnerable to share your work. Always. I've been doing it for 10 years and I still have trepidation before I post an image of a painting or launch a collection, even though my experience has shown that nothing but good comes of it. Nothing but good. I have never had anything but helpful criticism. I've never had cruelty or harshness or negativity. So I have nothing to base my fears on, and yet I have fear every single time. So know that you know, that's probably going to happen for you too. And yet it's worth it. And yet your work deserves you to go through that fear and to go through that vulnerability on its behalf. Vulnerability is the most intimate and unguarded thing we can give to the world. And it's beauty in and of itself. And that's exactly what good art is. Good artwork is vulnerability, but playing it safe, keeping your work under lock and key, inside of your studio closet, never allowing it to see the light of day is so numbing. It's so numbing. So paint, draw, create, make, and then share. Share gently, share quietly. As you feel ready to do so, grow slowly, let your heart and mind get used to the idea of a silent critique and the open eyes of the public. And all along this journey, remember that you are not the thing that you make. Your worth is not tied to its success. The true artwork is you. The process has created you, which is such a cool thing and such a beautiful gift you can give to yourself. Your hands are an expression of the work that is being done inside of you. We, we love to visit art museums and galleries. My family travels a lot. We love to travel to you know, really beautiful cities uh, all around the world. And whenever we do, we go to an art museum because my daughters are such art nerds just like I am. I love them so much. They're wonderful. We always seek out impressionistic galleries because they have this beautiful poet poetry and way of seeing the world and way of expressing the world um, that really speaks to me as a, I call myself a modern impressionist. Um, my favorite artist is Monet. I know that's cliche, but I have an actual reason why he's my favorite. Not just that, you know, he's the most popular um, or one of the most popular. My reason for respecting Monet well, I mean, his work is perfect, so there's that. But the real reason that I respect him as an artist is he spent 40 years painting one subject matter. I mean, if that's not do it for the process, I literally do not know what is. 40 years painting his gardens, painting his irises and his lilies and his water and his blooming gorgeousness in all the different seasons. That is dedication that I cannot begin to fathom. Um, I'm so impressed by that. Not that you have to obsess over one subject matter for the rest of your life, like Monet, um, and hopefully like me, but you know, I, I just want you to like, 
just love it. Just fall in love. Fall in love with whatever you want to fall in love with and just do it for you, not for anybody else, not for the outside critics, not for the buyers, not for the collectors, not for the people that are watching you on Instagram, not for your mother, not for your sister, not, and nobody, nobody should be inside of your head while you're creating except for you and your inspiration and have a conversation with yourself, with your, with the source that's bringing you the most joy. All right, we're going to take a little pause here. And I'm going to tell you about my new course, Making Artwork, which I'm super excited about. It's a, it's a three-month, 12-week course on how to be a creative entrepreneur, a business person who has some soul and who has some creative passion and who is an artist. This course is geared towards artists, but also creatives of all, of all forms and all mediums. Oh my gosh, you guys, the content that I have built for this course is more than I learned in art school by literally 100%. It is more than I learned in the first five years of my business, trying to crash course my way into success and into profitability. Oh my goodness, I just can't wait to see how this content changes your business, changes your mindset, changes your perception of money, perception of marketing, your ability to communicate with your audience, your ability to share your story, to share your work, to design your website, literally everything that that goes into creating a profitable and sustainable creative business is in this course and it will be a flood of information in a, in the best of ways. Sign up for more information at emilyjeffords.com forward slash making artwork. When you do that, you will receive a survey in your email inbox that I would love for you to fill out. This survey is rudimentary to my creation process for this course. The survey will be live until March 1st because by then the course should be built and we will be ready to roll with this thing, which, oh my, I'm so excited. I just cannot wait to see how this, how this ripples throughout the creative community and creates some powerful and empowered women and men, but also women. So join us. It's going to be, it's going to be highly, highly beautiful. All right, back to the podcast. This conversation has been super lovely. Thank you for letting me ramble about my biggest passion too for the process. Let's get into some practicality. Let's get into some meat. How do you go about your creative process with this perspective in mind? So let's talk about some tips for getting out of your head and connecting with the creative process and ways that these tips or these ideas can really transform your business and transform the way that you create in general. I have quite a few tips for you. So get out your notepads and pens and take down some assignments from your new art instructor. (laughs) Okay. Number one, copy yourself. Taboo. I don't care. I don't care. I know this is a taboo thing to say. I know that copying yourself sounds boring and sounds repetitive. It is not. Let me tell you. Repaint something that you enjoyed painting in the past, years and years ago, or last week. It does not matter. Revisit an idea and see if you can reimagine it in a new and beautiful way. Channel Monet, you guys. Channel Monet. (laughs) Number two. Paint or draw without looking for five minutes. So five minutes of not looking, 
one minute of looking. So you can have one minute of evaluation, one minute of critique and of course correction and, you know, just kind of fixing the mess you're going to make in the other five minutes. But the mess is the beautiful part. So don't be afraid of it. Go for it. Number three, try some new mediums. Um, buy something that you've never bought before. Buy a new, a new medium, a new paint color, a new pencil, whatever it may be, a new piece of music, a new type of clay or a new glaze or a new whatever, whatever your medium is. Just explore. Don't put yourself in a box. Don't limit yourself to what you know. Be bold and try something fresh. Turn up the music and dance. This is one of my favorite ways to loosen up and just fall in love with the play and the expressiveness and the, mm, I don't want to say sensuality of creative creativity, but kind of, yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Commission your own artwork. This is number, what are we up to? Five. I wish I had numbered these in my notes, but I did not. So keep track for me. Um, yeah. Commission your own artwork. What do you want to see on your own walls? This is something that I have done frequently. I imagine my own room, my own living room, my own bedroom, whatever it may be. What do I want to see there? What artwork is exciting for me? What do I want to live with? Think about that as you create and it might inform your creativity in a new way and in a way that is probably highly marketable because if you want to live with it, I imagine your audience will too. Good sign. Good sign. Okay, number... Oh my gosh, I can't even count. Are we up to five? One, two, three, four, five, six. Number six. Yes, I am good. Splatter. I know, I know. But, but by splatter, I mean create something that you have very little control over. So do something that has some spontaneity, some chemical reaction that you don't get to, you know, micromanage and obsess over. Splatter, dash, mix, whatever it may be. Just let it be. Put it on the paper, put it on the canvas, put it on the clay pot, compose it, doodle with it, whatever it might be. Just go with it and then walk away and let it be beautiful. Number seven, tell everyone what you're doing so that they can think you're crazy and they can cheer you on. I know you thought I was going to end there because they are going to think you're crazy. Tell them that you are doing something brave. Tell them you're doing something bold. Let them get excited for you. People want to cheer someone on, someone who's doing something awesome, someone who's doing something brave and bold and, and expressive. Let your audience and your friends and your family cheer you on. Number eight, do not think about money. Money is toxic in the creative process. This applies across the board while you are in the creative headspace. The moment you begin thinking, oh, how much can I sell that for? That's when it loses its joy and it loses its spontaneity and its beauty and its freshness and its soul. You absolutely should be a smart artist. You absolutely should be a wise business person. But during this phase, I recommend you just keep it pure. Money is not dirty. Money is necessary and beautiful and empowering. But something about its effect on the inspiration phase and the creation phase is a little bit toxic. So keep it out. Don't think about it. Okay, let's move on. Do not, do not, do not. Have I said this enough? Have I repeated this enough? Do not copy 
one of your peers or another person who's currently practicing artwork or even an old dead artist, just don't. Just don't do it, especially as a practice for do it for the process. As a creative ritual, awakening something fresh in yourself, keep your inspiration so pure to your own brain and your own life experience and your own way of seeing the world that it's going to just shake up the entire creative community, or at least your own little section of it, or at least you yourself. Come back to the source, come back to the root, come back to your own creative inspiration, your own brilliance. That is the process. That is the beauty. So just don't do it. Okay, next. Are we up to number 11? I have no idea. Let's do, let's go on. All right, number 11. I'll just go ahead and say, maybe it's 12. Your phone is toxic. Yeah, I said it. I did. As, as a self-professed phone lover, your phone is toxic while you are going through a beautiful creative practice, while you are in love with your paints and your brushes and your mark making and your piano playing or your, your cake baking or your, whatever your creative work is, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. Your brain needs to engage that work in a way that is really authentic and really um, next level deepness. You can't have distractions. You can't have um, things that are going to pull your mind out of that deeper level of thought. Your phone, that's what it's literally designed to do. It's designed to keep you in that, in that really shallow level of thinking and that quick, you know, instant gratification, endorphins, you, you don't need any of that while you're painting or while you're creating. So I recommend you just put it away for a little bit. Put it away for 10 minute increments, 30 minute increments if you can, an hour if you can. I guarantee that once you begin to put it away and let it, you know, forget about it, you're going to, you're going to forget about it more and it's going to be really, really healthy. Okay. You didn't know this because it's magic. But I just paused the podcast for a second, the recording, and I counted. Now we're up to number 11. I will, I'll create a PDF with all of these tips in them, and they will be numbered on the PDF. How about that? I'll give you information for how to download that, download that PDF at the end of the podcast. Also, pardon my children in the background. I'm assuming you can hear them. They are being banshees outside. My, my nine-year-old is um, babysitting all of them on the, on, the front, on the front lawn, and they're just being so cute, but they're being very loud. So it's fine, though. Okay, number 11, change the way your body moves. This is such an easy thing to do. Stand up while you create. Step back two feet, three feet, five feet. Dance while you paint. Work out while you sketch. Do yoga in between layers. Just let your body be alive. Let your body be active. Painting, well, not just painting, but creativity in general can be such a mental game, such a mind thing that you can become very still and very quiet and just go all in your head, which don't get me wrong, I love. But let your body be a part of that. Let your body be fresh. Think about how your shoulders feel. How does your back feel? Are you standing up straight? Is your neck being crunched over or is it, is it, you know, long and straight? Are your legs moving? Do you have freedom to express, you know, how you're feeling in your body? Those are really important things. So let your body come alive. Let your art come alive through your body because art is a reflection of your body, which leads right into the next one. Be aware of your energy. 
be aware of the actual physical energy you're bringing to your artwork. Something really cool uh, is observable in paintings, especially, and I'm assuming in, in ceramics as well, in other mediums, but in paintings and in music, you can very easily discern the energy of the artist. So imagine this, imagine that I'm very quiet, I'm very still, and I paint a nice line on my canvas. That line can be very precise, that line can be very straight, that line will be very even in its, in its weight and its um, width. Um, it'll be very measured, very careful. You can feel how still my body was in that line. Now imagine this, imagine that I'm loose, I'm literally moving, my shoulders are swaying, my hips are swaying, I'm painting with energy and I whip my brush across my canvas and it goes quickly, it has energy and speed behind it. That, that line is going to be thick at the beginning, it'll become thicker or thicker at the end, either way. Um, it'll have some, some energy and some speed and some carelessness to it that's really beautiful. Experiment with how your body affects your creative practice. So I recommend stand up, get fast, go slow, um, be light, let your touch be light, let your touch be heavy. Really just think about how your actual physical presence in the room affects your art. Really, really cool practice. For artists specifically, create at a different scale. This is the next point I want to make. Create super large, create really small, create um, in, in a size that you're not comfortable with. Sorry, I get to be your teacher now. I get to press you into something fresh and new, something challenging. Do something that's going to awaken, awaken your brain. Let your brain try something hard, try something new and a little bit scary. It's so much fun. The first time you do it, it might look horrible. That is completely fine. You cannot imagine how many paintings I have in my studio, tucked into spare corners and into my closet and into the drawers at my house. You guys, I have hundreds of paintings that you will never ever see that are horrible because I try stuff and it's fun and I love that I create work that I hate. <laughs> It's true. It's 100% true. All right. And our last point is a bit more mental than the other ones. The other ones have been very practical, you know, ways to move your body, ways to use your, your supplies and your materials. This one is mental. Engage with your pursuit of beauty. So what do you think is beautiful? What do you find to be pleasing to the eye, pleasing to your soul, pleasing to your your ideas. It does not have to be pretty. It does not have to be flowers on pearly white backgrounds. It can be rough. It can be raw. It can be something that's gritty and heartfelt. That's beautiful. Flowers are also beautiful. Whatever you want to make is beautiful. I'm just like, just pursue beauty. Try something new. Try something that makes you a little bit nervous. Um, if you are longing to paint a portrait, but that makes you nervous, then you should paint a portrait. You absolutely should. To, to deny yourself that challenge that you're kind of aching for is to deny yourself of space of growth, to deny yourself, you know, an evolution that's going to be really healthy for you. 
So those are my tips for do it for the process. Please let me know if you have other tips. This is not exhaustive by any means. This is me coming up with this beautiful list in the middle of the night, literally. So let me know your tips. Let me know how you engage your process and how you come alive in your creative work. I would love to hear from you. Please uh, tag me on Instagram. Make an Instagram story. Like, hey, this is how I do it for the process. Whatever you want to say. Um, and then let me know your tips. That would be really, really cool. And I'll share several of those in my story as well. If you would like to download the PDF that covers all the things that we went through in this podcast, you're more than welcome to do that. Use that as homework, use that as inspiration, work through those 14 tips that I gave for kind of jazzing up your creative process. You can find that at emilyjeffords.com forward slash podcast dash one. And that's the number one because this is podcast number one. So exciting. All right, again, emilyjeffords.com forward slash podcast dash one. And I can't wait to see what you create. It's going to be awesome. All right, in conclusion, I want to leave you with a few, a few thoughts because I love to think. Art making is at its root, the process of becoming a fuller and more honest version of yourself. It is the bravery of making a mark, which is a small act, but reveals so much about you and your perspective and your energy and your vision and your body and your soul and all the parts of you. I can see them all in those marks and that is bravery. There's bravery and vulnerability. There's bravery in sharing that, that beauty and that honesty with the world. So thank you for being brave. Thank you for being honest. Your community is feeling the effects of your bravery and your honesty every single time you share it. So continue that. It's a gift. Vulnerability is a gift. Offering those marks and those images and those ideas to the world is a gift. This is the process. You are the artwork. Your efforts are meaningful. I'm going to leave you with that. I hope this has been nourishing. I hope this has been helpful. You guys are wonderful. You are so supportive. Thank you for your outpouring of love for this podcast that you don't even know about yet. You haven't even seen what's inside my head. You don't know where this is headed and yet you trust me. And that is so, so beautiful and so amazingly wonderful. And I am so humbled by it. Thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Seriously. If you wouldn't mind, please leave a review of this podcast. Please rate it um, on the iTunes app. I'd be really, I'd be really thankful. Um, I don't know much about the podcast analytics, but I have heard that that's important. I've heard that that's kind of how this whole thing works. So help me in that way. Um, I'll be very, very grateful for that. And I read the comments um, and that's really special. So, okay, cool. This podcast is brought to you by Making Art Work, my 12-week course on creative sustainability and creative business. Learn more at emilyjeffords.com forward slash making artwork and sign up for more information there. If you would like to contribute to this podcast in a way, you know, beyond leaving a review and a rating, um, I would love to hear from you. Send me a letter. Send me an email. I have a form on my website where you can do that super simply. Go to emilyjeffords.com forward slash podcast and you can find that. 
I would love to hear from you, especially if you have a question for the podcast or something you'd like for me to discuss on air. I'll be reading letters at the beginning of some of the episodes, so that can be a special way for you to get involved and to let your voice be heard in this community. All right, in in conclusion, I'm going to leave you with a benediction, but an artist benediction, because after all, this show is for artists. So here it goes. May you be well. May you make good work. And may you always do it for the process. Until next week, cheers. Cheers.